Welcome to the Martial Arts and Crafts Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Deacon, life balance coach for better adulting, martial artist, instructor, creative artist, wife, mother, and all-around person. Thank you for joining me on the show as we learn together how to make an impact through personal growth, responding to challenges, making choices, and learning more about our identity, belonging, and purpose. On to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Martial Arts and Crafts podcast. Today, my guest is Trisha Nelson. Trisha is an internationally acclaimed author, transformational speaker, and emotional eating expert. She lost 50 pounds by identifying and healing the underlying causes of her emotional eating. She has spent over 30 years researching the hidden causes of the addictive personality. Trisha is the author of the number one best-selling book, Heal Your Hunger, Seven Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. She also certifies health coaches so they can get better results, referrals, and revenue by helping their clients overcome emotional eating. Trisha is the host of the popular podcast, The Heal Your Hunger Show, and is a highly regarded speaker. Trisha has been featured on NBC, CBS, KTLA, Fox, and Discovery Health. Trisha Nelson, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So tell me a little bit about that discovery that uh, your extra weight was related to emotional eating. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm just, as far as I knew, I just liked food. Okay. So growing up, I love to cook. I love to eat. I love to serve it to other food, other people, go out to dinner, all that stuff made me really happy. (laughs) So I thought I just like food. Problem is I, I didn't like being overweight. So by age 20, I was 50 pounds overweight and I, hated being fat, which is really how I, you know, I I termed myself fat. And um, I had a roll in my tummy that I would scrunch up on my hands and imagine cutting off like you cut fat off the side of a steak. Yeah. And I thought about getting some disease where um, I'd automatically lose weight without having to diet. And so I just had some crazy thoughts about around my weight. And that's mostly because I had trouble losing the weight and keeping it off. I mean, I could lose weight for a time, Mm -hmm. but I always put the weight back on. So that was really frustrating to me. And no matter what I tried, diets and exercise programs and pills and potions and lotions and you name it, I was just really frustrated with, um, you know, the fact that I couldn't keep it off. I would I mean, I'd lose some weight and then I'd go right back up the scale. And I had like five different sizes of pants in my closet because I never knew what size I'd be, you know, at any given time. So that was the struggle. Um, And when I learned about emotional eating, I thought, well, that's not me. I just like food, you know, but it's hard to unhear that term and unhear, you know, the information. So thanks for having me on the show to talk about it because I started to observe my experience around food and I would definitely eat beyond what I needed, you know, to stuff myself. I, um, I, I snacked a lot. Um, I, I go out to lunch with friends and they'd order a sandwich and it would come with fries and they'd eat their sandwich and pick up their fries. Whereas I would eat my fries and pick up my sandwich. Like I'm like, and then I'd be like, how do they leave French fries on their plate? 
plate. That was like my favorite food. So, um, so I realized there was something different about my relationship with food. It was emotional. It's like, I, I, at the, I used food for all kinds of emotions to comfort me. And so, um, when I started to realize that, and then I met somebody who took me off the whole diet tack and said, let's deal with the underlying causes that's really what turned everything around for me is going deeper and, and dealing with my emotions, which I just didn't, I didn't do a lot of that. I mostly just ate through everything. Right. I, I feel like in, in my work and probably your work as well, what we, what we see is the problem is not usually the, the problem. The, the thing that we want solved is not necessarily the thing that, um, that will solve the, the yeah. underlying issue. <laughs> Yeah, it's a symptom. I mean, yeah. food and weight is a symptom. Overweight is a symptom of overeating, typically. And overeating is a symptom of what's eating me. So that's where I got to go. What's eating me? What's going on? Why, you know, why do I keep going to the refrigerator to, to check and see if anything new showed up? You know, um, let's dig into this. Yeah. And what did you find? So, I mean, basically a lot of things, but mainly I, you know, food was my main source of coping. Like I just, I, I didn't like I, anything that was tough that came down the pike, I just go straight through to the refrigerator. I just eat, you know, and I had to learn new coping tools. And this is why in my experience, 98% of all diets fail, which is an incredibly abysmal statistic, by the way, 95 to 98% statistically speaking, of diets fail. So, you know, which is crazy because it's a multi, multi, you know, uh, billion dollar industry, but it fails because diets take away, you know, all of our favorite foods, right? Mm -hmm. But they give us nothing in replace of those foods because those foods were serving me. Okay. So they were serving me on an emotional level. And I'll give you something to kind of I, I like to give people what I call the PEP test, which is a way of sort of understanding how food serves us, how excess food, how chips and ice cream and cookies and things we love to snack on. You know, we know what these things do to us when we overeat and we end up gaining weight, but we don't think a lot about what they're doing for us. So, and this is kind of a nice way to start making the association between our food cravings and our emotions. So PEP is an acronym, P-E-P, -E and the first P stands for painkiller. So food serves us by kind of softening the edges of life, okay? Life is not easy. There are painful emotions, painful experiences, divorce, death, job change, you know, relocation, a, a, a kid who's dysregulated, a, you know, parents who need to be looked after in old age. I mean, life's hard and there are painful emotions, you know, fights with friends, whatever. And, you know, I used food for all that, like just softening the edges of life um, because it, because as emotional eaters, we're super sensitive like we feel deeply, I think more than your average person. So every that, that pain cuts deep. And so the carbs and the sugar, especially we turn to because it, it fills us and it numbs us. So first thing we use food for is a painkiller. The second thing is an escape. E stands for escape. And as emotional eaters, as overeaters, we tend to be overthinkers. So we're constantly 
overthinking. We're constantly processing. We're constantly like, what did she mean by that? Why did he look at me that way? You know, why didn't they invite me? You know, is there something on my nose? Like, it's like, you know, my hips are too big. It's, we're constantly thinking, overthinking everything, you know, and we are also awfulizing, thinking about worst case scenarios. We're scaring ourselves all the time with fearful thoughts, you know, and it's like, at some point we just want out of our minds, you know, our minds drive us crazy and we just want to take a chill. Right. And so to me, that was my favorite binge foods and a good TV show. So I sit in front of the TV and check out, okay? And then the last P in PEP stands for punishment. Now, this is counterintuitive because we think of our yummy foods as a reward, not a punishment. But if somebody eats like I did, where I ate to excess and I ended up feeling sick, you know, and then I was hating on myself, berating myself for what I just did, you know, I cancel my appointments the next day because I've got a puffy face and I don't want my girlfriends to see me, you know, and I isolate. That is not a reward. That's a punishment. Like, why am I doing that to myself? And my experiences, <clears throat> excuse me, as, as um, you know, over feelers, we tend to feel guilty about everything. We're super hard on ourselves you know, and when we mess up, oh my goodness, we're so mean to ourselves, very mean thoughts. Plus, you know, we feel guilty over things we do. And when we feel bad about how we look or how, you know, we don't feel good in our bodies, we tend to not be at our best, you know, and so we can be kind of bitchy or snappy or grumpy. And we feel really bad about that because we're good people, you know, we're actually really good but when we don't act so good, we feel really guilty and we beat ourselves up. And food is just a great way to kind of rank on ourselves, you know, to overeat and feel disgusting. You know, that's, that is a self punishment. So the pink and the pep stands for painkiller escape and punishment. And these are some underlying motivations for why we eat. This is what food does for us. Our yummy, carby, rich, you know, sugary foods, these serve us. Um, by kind of in these ways. And so I like to bring that up. So the people next time they're feeling like oh, I'm craving chocolate, I got to have chocolate, you know, pause and think what's really going on? What's really going on? You know, and my experiences, I might see that I got some stuff, you know, I just had a difficult conversation with somebody. I just, you know, I, I'm just starting to feel um, stressed about an upcoming phone call or trip or conversation. And that, that helps to kind of see, oh, it's not just that I like chocolate, you know, and that's what we need to do is we need to start doing a little introspection around, you know, why all of a sudden we think we absolutely must eat when we usually don't. Yeah. I think that that mindfulness piece is, is super important. And that awareness just opens up so many opportunities to make it, make a change and adjust our habits and behaviors. So now that you recognize this, you know, pain killing, escaping and punishing pattern that, that can happen when choosing food or when reaching for foods, do you, um, what do you do then once you recognize it? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that can be done um, and, uh, you know, it, my experience is 
that it takes a lot of things, you know, like it's, there's not just one simple answer. Um, I will say that the compulsion to eat, you know, that, that driving thing inside of us, that feels like a monster that can't be stopped. You know, I get that. And that's, and a lot of people who don't, who aren't emotional leaders, they don't get that. They're like, they're like, well, just eat less and exercise more. Well, that is not helpful, <laughs> you know, because if we have that driving compulsion, we can't just eat less or people right. tell us all the time. They say the M word, the M word is moderate. Oh, just moderate how many sweets you eat. Mm -hmm. Well, hello. I couldn't, I didn't have an off button. Once I started eating Hershey's kisses, I didn't stop. I just one after the other, after the other, I have this big pile of tinfoil, you know, in front of me. Mm -hmm. So so, you know, that's, that is a thing that emotional leaders have is they have this kind of monster inside. So that monster compulsion definitely comes from a deeper place. And so it's not easy to stop the train, right? Or it's not it's sort of like trying to stop uh, a wave from mm -hmm. crashing on the shore. Um, so we have to, we have to get to the front of it, you know, um, and my experience that starts first thing in the morning. Okay. So we can't wait till evening time when we're ready to eat a whole thing of popcorn. It's like, we have to start change that, that compulsion comes, um, that pressure comes from, from, uh, really from, from a lot of different places, but it comes from unaddressed emotions. Okay. Those, those emotions, it's kind of like a volcano, you know, it's, that, that um, magna, you know, deep down in a volcano is coming from pressure. It's coming from heat, you know, and we have to diminish that heat. We have to diffuse that heat, which th those are emotions and, and stress. Okay. So that compulsion is fueled by stress and, and buried emotions. So we have to change the way we approach life, you know, and I, I know people want to say, what do you do in that moment? Well, okay, there are things you can do. Go for a walk, you know, go for a walk, pick up the phone, call a friend, distract yourself. But I say, you know, fine in the moment, but not a lasting solution. Right. We have to go deeper, right? So um, starting the day, you know, developing a, a, a routine where you start the day getting centered. Okay, mm -hmm. because we are prone to stress and we do create stress as well as emotional eaters because we have some personality traits that cause us to get stressed out. Mm -hmm. And that means we can change those traits. Um, but starting the day with a routine that can help us stay grounded and centered. Um, and I call it putting money in your spiritual bank account. When we make deposits, yeah, make deposits first thing in the morning meditation, prayer, yoga, breathing exercises, EFT, writing, journaling, walking in nature, chanting, you know, guided meditation, whatever, like develop a morning routine where you're putting money in your spiritual bank account. And later in the day, when stress piles up, you can make withdrawals from, you know, that from what's in there already. If you haven't put deposits in there, you're, you know, you're in the red, you're in the red and you're not going to deal with stress very well, except by turning the food, the quick energy, the quick, you know, uh, solutions. So we have to invest time. 
you know, this is not a, there's not a quick fix for emotional eating. It's really, uh, it's, we're transitioning our way of life to one of self-care instead of one of prostrating ourselves to be all things to all people, which is a big tendency for emotional eaters. You know, in my book, I talk about the 24 personality traits of an emotional eater. I call it the anatomy of the emotional eater. Mm-hmm. And the top trait, Sarah, is people pleasing. So, you know, as emotional eaters, we are, oh my gosh, so prone to wanting to please people and therefore over committing ourselves, packing our schedules, you know, and forgetting ourselves, like just going like, you know, running on empty all the time to make everybody happy. And that is a lose, lose solution. Because not only, you know, are we not happy from that, but other people aren't getting the best version of us, you know, because when we're stressed out, when we're not sleeping enough, when we're not eating healthy foods and we're just eating on the run from 7-Eleven, you know, we are we're, we're, we're breaking down, you know, we're breaking down and we're not at our best and other people don't get our best. So the absolute best thing we can do for other people as well as for ourselves long-term is to start taking care of ourselves, have that morning routine, have a way to de-stress that is not just reaching for quick foods to cover up, you know, uh, the stress. And so that coffee and chocolate, you know, that's not, that's not a winning solution. So, but these are traits that people don't think of, you know, people think emotional eating is just, you know, eating Ben and Jerry's when somebody breaks up with you, you know, but it's really emotional eating is, is a, there's a really personality type for us. And it typically comes from the fact that if we do struggle chronically with food and weight, we typically have trauma in our past, you know, like we didn't get a strong foundation growing up, you know, there was addiction, there was um, abuse of some kind, you know, and so we didn't get a strong sense of self-esteem. And so we tend to look outward for it. You know, we're looking mm-hmm. for the girls, you know, but right. that, that people pleasing really, it makes us run down resentful. You know, people are never, when we knock ourselves out to make, to make people happy, they're never as happy as we plan on them being, you know, or they barely recognize our good works. Right. And then sure. we're pissed off. <laughs> Well, yeah. And I think that what you said at the very beginning, when you said, well, I thought I just liked food. I liked to feed people and I like to make yummy food. And I like to, so that goes back to that people pleasing as well. Like we entertain and we cook for them and we make them yummy things and then they eat it. And we feel like we get that little hug, that little high. Right. Yeah. And, and that, that totally aligns with that, that people pleasing uh, tendency and even just, um, beyond trauma. I mean, I think the trauma in the past definitely contributes to the emotional eating. And even if you're just raised in a way where you don't learn how to identify and cope and feel your emotions where, where things like that are shut down, if you're, well, if you're crying and, oh, well, don't cry, or I'll give you something to cry about and it's dismissed, then you don't learn how to actually healthily move through those emotions. And no, that too, I'm sure. Absolutely. You know, and as a culture, we're just not real big on feeling our feelings. Right. <laughs> you know, we're, we're a distracted nation. We're starting to know? talk about it a little more, but <laughs> a little more, we've we're got a ways to go progress. yet. 
but we also have more ways to distract from our feelings with mm -hmm. our screens and just there's so many things going on multitasking and and so it's we have to be really intentional in order to build this relationship with ourselves you know and and with with source with spirit you know and and mm -hmm. having a sense of spirituality because that's you know, again, we have to learn to fill that void in healthy ways instead of unhealthy ways. For sure. Now you spent 30 years researching the addictive personality or the hidden causes of the addictive personality, as it says in your bio. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Cause we're, we're touching on this, this addictive personality and this, yes. this type of person. Yeah. So, you know, um, again, feeling our feelings, is not so easy to do it's uncomfortable um and so we tend to want to just run like run as fast as we can and emotional eaters are great at this like we stay busy because we don't want to be we don't want to be with ourselves you know because we perceive that that's there's too much inside there's too many difficult feelings so we just you know we're constantly doing we're in we're basically, you know, we're, we're driven by fear and we're in doing mode, constantly doing. And that, you know, that makes our bodies break down. That makes us overeat, you know, reaching for unhealthy, quick fixes and distractions. And so what we really need to do is transition from fear and doing to love and being, you know, and that's not easy to do. Again, it takes some intention. But that's really, you know, when we're not at peace on the inside, it's hard to be at peace with food because food's how we, you know, we sort of match the turmoil, the, the buried emotions inside. We match that with um, kind of a, a tumultuous relationship with food, you know, always eating, always obsessing, obsessing about our body, hating on our body. I mean, it's just kind of 24 seven barrage of thoughts and obsessions. Um, and so really, the healing process is, is, I mean, I'm so grateful in a way that I was addicted to food because it's, it forced me to slow down. I was never, diets didn't work for me. You know, if a diet had worked, I would never had become a meditator, you mm -hmm. know, but I had to learn to meditate because I had to slow down. I had to get okay with being, right. and that's, that's a scary thing, but oh boy, there's nothing more valuable because when I learn how to be with myself, I'm not compelled to do, you know, I have a choice of whether I do, whether I distract or not, you know, and there's nothing more beautiful and wonderful than being at peace with oneself, one's thoughts, one's feelings, but that's a journey. Okay. I'm, so I'm, I'm being right. a little ethereal here, you know, that's a journey for sure, but bringing it back to the actual around food, um, you know, being peaceful with food comes from lowering our stress, you know, having, uh, having a way to offload emotions, you know, and, and just be, you know, be coming to a place where we're not frenetic in our energy. Um, that's how we're going to make peace with food, you know, so, so important, but there's practical things I offer as well. I mean, I, as for starters, I always have my clients, um, start, uh, eating three meals with nothing in between. Um, and that's really a helpful way to just start. I don't give people an actual diet because I find that people, you know, aren't stupid. Like they know that salads are more healthy than pizza, you know, or French fries. Right. So, so it's not so much, you know, what to eat. It's how to eat what's healthy, you know, and like it, 
And my experience mm-hmm. is when we crave, you know, denser, more fattening foods, it's because we're craving that painkiller I talked about. So, mm-hmm. um, but if you eat three meals and you don't eat in between, not only do you avoid all the snacky foods, right? The chips and the nuts and the, you know, everything, chocolates, everything you can grab for and snack on, those are rarely good for you foods. Um, so you avoid that, you start getting intentional about making real meals for yourself. And there's some beautiful self-care and self-love lessons just in that, like yeah, thinking absolutely. ahead on, on what you need to buy at the store and then chopping vegetables. You know, there's kind of some um, real sort of um, like a tangible, ritual. yeah, some tangible, that's some real self-love, like self-love is action. You know, you got to do some self-loving actions in order to love yourself. And so that's, you know, self-care is great in terms of cooking for yourself um, and with others. It's fun to cook with others. Um, But the point is that three meals will not only get you away from all those snacky foods, but it'll also start helping you identify what your emotions are. And when we're eating all day long and snacking, we're we're numb all day long Mm -hmm. and we're not aware of what our feelings are. So that three meals and putting, you know, four or five hours in between the meals helps you start, first of all, feel some hunger pangs, which, you know, emotional eaters are terrified of feeling. But when you acclimate and you're like, oh, that just means I'm not overeating. Like if you didn't stuff yourself at a meal, you're going to be hungry after four hours. And, uh, you know, I welcome that hunger now because it means I'm not eating too much you know, and I will eat again, like lunch is coming, you know? So yeah, it goes um, back to that intentionality you were talking about before with setting yourself up and making those deposits in your emotional bank account. If you set that intention at the beginning of the day, I am only going to eat my three meals a day, then you know what to expect. And you're giving yourself those expectations to live up to. And, yeah, and, our, and you're our choosing bodies, yourself first. Yes. And our bodies love that. They love the consistency of it. They love that they're going to get fed. I mean, this whole idea of starving ourselves for too long. You know, I like to treat my body the or and myself the way I would my, my sweet baby daughter. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have a daughter, but I'm just saying if I did, you know, how yes. would I, would I be like, girl, we're going to, you know, you're going to starve for 16 hours and then, you know, you can maybe shave off a few pounds. No, I would never say that to a sweet little girl, you know? So why Mm -hmm. am I doing that to myself? You know, the regularity of the free meals and the consistency and kind of letting, letting that little girl know she's going to get fed again. Cause I'm taking, I'm on it. I'm taking care of her. There's some beautiful, beautiful lessons in that. Well, that, that, rebuilds the trust with yourself too, especially from a background of trauma or abuse or something like that, where you just don't feel safe in your own body. Yeah. By stepping into that more parental caregiving role for your own self. I'm sure that does a lot for just regulating your, your system and just regulating those emotions around that even. Yep. And then you get acquainted with your emotions. Mm -hmm. Like you actually know if you're having cravings, you can dig into it and think what's really going on. And you know, because you're not stuffed with food where you're just numbed out. Mm -hmm. Now, all of that sounds really great and fantastic, but you also said it's, it's very scary for an emotional eater to sit with that and not eat and I, and, and really feel into those emotions. So what, what is some approaches or perspectives you have on, on that feeling when, 
when that fear really does come up? Yeah, well, I will say that if somebody is really, you know, serious about healing their relationship with food, it's hard to do alone, you know, because there is mm. intense fear. You know, it's like we're yes. conditioned, we've trained ourselves to avoid feeling at all cost. Um, so like I do my work in groups mostly mostly because the women learn mm -hmm. from each other and there's so much isolation when we have an you know aberrant relationship with food. We think we're the only ones who have done the crazy things we've done. Mm. You know, I did a TEDx talk and I talked about eating out of the garbage, you know, like I'd binge throw the food out and then go get it when I had more room in my tummy. And I thought, oh my God, I just ate out of the trash. I am the worst person in the world, mm. you know? And of course I've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of views and, and comments of, oh my God, I've done that too. And so uh -huh. having people in community helps, you know, relieve that isolation, that sense of being so bad or the worst person in the world. So doing these, and all this of that self-judgment. Yeah. Yes. Which just perpetuates shame. the eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The shame and the eating. So um, doing the healing work in community is so healing. Plus it nourishes the soul because we're, we're really, it's not food we're hungry for. Right. You know, we're really hungry for connection. We're hungry for, you know, love and warmth and, and understanding. And so all those things really do help us heal, you know, and, and repair. Yes. I, I can see that for sure. Um, well, let me just, we're, we're coming down to the end of our time here. And so is there anything else you'd like to, to share with my audience? Give them a little challenge. We talked a little about the PEP about self-care in the mornings and three meals a day. Was there anything else you would like to add to that? Something simple to yeah. a routine? Well, I would say, I mean, reading spiritual literature, you know, motivational literature, so important. Listen to podcasts, you know, mm -hmm. that feed your soul for sure. Like this one, I have a podcast as well called the heal your hunger show. Um, you know, basically filling our minds with positive messages, you know, our minds are programmed against us, you know, mm -hmm. negative with negative self-talk. So we have to right, not to mention everything else that we see. <laughs> yeah. <around. the> news, <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, so that's really important. Um, if people are wondering if they're an emotional eater, I would say I, I have a, a quiz on my website, healyourhunger.com. Take the quiz. It'll tell you if you're an emotional eater or a food addict or right. somewhere in between. Cause I find it's really mm -hmm. a spectrum and one that's, um, qualified by the level of control you have to kind of course correct. And also the amount of consequences that you have from your eating. So that free quiz, it's two, like a two minute quiz, take the quiz, start there. And then you'll start to really, you know, you'll have, I, I offer suggestions uh, for people after that based on their yeah. personalized score. So that might be a good place for people to start. Yeah. Fantastic. Yes. I was going to mention and ask you about the difference between a food addict and emotional eater. Yeah. So I, I love that you brought it up and that you have that quiz available to anybody who yeah. is curious. Cause I think that, I think so many people have something around emotions and food. I think yeah. we, we just all have something. So yeah. to, to be aware if it's something that we need to make a change on, I think is really important. So yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. And I will link to that sure. in the show notes. 
Um, where else can we find you, Trisha? Um, well, my podcast is the Heal Your Hunger Show, and it's out there in most places where you would search for a podcast. Um, my book also is called Heal Your Hunger, as you mentioned at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It it can all be resourced on my website, which is healyourhunger.com. So I'd say that's a good place. Um, my TED talk right. is on there as well. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I I look forward to to watching all the things that you're doing and and following along with you. Thank you so much for being here, Trisha. I I appreciate all your wisdom and all your insight about emotional eating and sharing part of your journey with that. And Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Th- yeah thanks again for being here. Thanks for having me.